All right, so we, uh, we are continuing uh, our study on the Sermon on the Mount called Kingdom Minded, where it's kind of give a little backstory of, of the reason behind this is, so this is when Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so repent means a change of thinking that leads into a change of action. And so now we are looking at, if we are now living for God's kingdom, if we are living for Christ, what does that look like? What, how are we supposed to live out this faith? And so over the past several weeks, we've looked at different attitudes we are to have as followers of Christ. We're going to look at different commands we are to obey. And so tonight, we're going to be looking at laying up our treasures in heaven. Laying up our treasures in heaven. What, is, what does that mean? What does that look like? So that's what we're going to be discussing tonight. So while we get started on this, I just want to show you a couple pictures, just kind of get this started. The first one is this. Anybody want to take a guess of what this is or what the scene might be on this? Black Friday Madness. I mean, Black Friday Madness. I mean, people fighting over just being able to get a brand new TV or whatever the greatest deal or craze that they want is. Which is crazy because, you know, a few hours before this is just, we were celebrating Thanksgiving. We're explaining all the things that we are thankful for. And then just a few hours later, we just see people lining up hours upon end just to go fight for, let's say, just a brand new TV at a, at a, at a cheaper rate. I thought it was a bunch of people. Or, or this one. There's this one. I, I remember this one where this guy slept overnight just to get the new iPhone. The new iPhone 6. And on live TV on live TV. He's opening up. He couldn't wait. He finally got it. He's the first one to get it. Opens up. It falls onto the ground. It falls onto the ground. Now, now let me ask you, what are these two pictures between this and this? What do those two have in common? Okay, disappointment. Someone wanting something so bad. Selfishness. Well, they, like someone wanted something, but then it ended badly. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and you're like, oh, I'm going to get this new thing on Black Friday. Yeah. But it's all gone. Mm-hmm. Like, you can kind of see the same thing with that. Yeah. So, like, think about this. These people either slept all night, or they waited outside all along, or they even potentially fought someone just over, let's say, an iPhone, or just over a TV. And I think a lot of times we might see these people, and we say, well, that's, I mean, that's just ridiculous. Like, I would never do that. But here's the reality of it, is that we might not, let's say, fight over wanting to get a brand new TV. We might not fight over wanting to get a new iPhone, but those same desires of our hearts are still within our hearts. Those same desires of wanting to accumulate different things. That it might not be a TV, it might not be an iPhone. It could be something else that we desire so badly that we will do whatever it takes to get that. It could be popularity. It could be, let's say, followers on social media. It could be, let's say, a persona that we are trying to keep up for people to see. It could be likes and comments and shares and views on social media. It could be the attention or relationship of, let's say, a young man or a young woman that we, that we truly want. That it might not necessarily be an iPhone or it, could, or it might not necessarily be TV, but it could be one of these other things. Because we, as fallen sinful human beings, we, we are prone to want to accumulate wealth and popularity and other things for ourselves. And we are very loyal to ourselves. We very much like to look out for ourselves. 
that we think we are number one and we want to do whatever we can to make sure number one stays number one and put ourselves first. But what I want us to look at tonight of what the scriptures say that if we're to be kingdom-minded is this, is to be kingdom-minded is to have complete loyalty to Jesus. That we're to have complete loyalty to Jesus. And when we have complete loyalty to Jesus, that'll change our desires. When we have complete loyalty to Jesus, that'll, that'll change the desires of our heart. That'll change the content of our heart. That'll change what we pursue in life. It'll rearrange priorities in our life. And that's what we want to look at tonight. We want to look at us having complete and total loyalty to King Jesus and how he is better than anything the world could offer. That Jesus is better than anything the world could offer. So we are going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. So if you have a physical Bible, that's where you'll be. If you're following along with those notes, it's going to be on the back side of that as well. So that if you want to just circle different things or draw lines or continue to take notes as you make observations, we go through this. So it's going to be Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. So let's read this together, okay? This is the word of the Lord. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness! No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let's pray. Dear God, as, as all of us come before you, I, I just pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, would just you be glorified and honored through all of this. That, that it can be tempting for just, just us as fallen sinful human beings to just try to understand this or for me to be able to properly communicate this. And I pray that it is not in my own strength, but it is your strength that I'm speaking in. I, I pray, would you just humble us before your word? Would, would you just remove any sort of pride that could well up in our hearts? Would you just help us as we examine your word together? Would you just have it evaluate our hearts? And would you pierce our hearts with conviction where we need that? And would you help us by your grace repent of those sins and turn back to you and have us desire Christ above everything else? Would you just have us become even more completely loyal to you, conform more to the image of you? None of this is possible without the power of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, I pray right now, just over the next several minutes, as we worship you through the preaching of your word, would it just be your truth that you authored and inspired through this? And would you just remove any distractions right now? Would you remove any distractions that could come from phones, that could come from friends, that could come from maybe things weighing heavy on our souls? And would we just give our full attention to you and bring it over to you? Open up our minds to understand this. Open up our eyes to see more of our need for Christ. Open up our ears to just hear this truth. Open up our hearts to be able to receive this truth that will bear fruit, conform us more into your image, and help us continue to make Christ's name known. It is only by your grace we're able to do any of this, and it's such a joy we can come before this. So just help us now over the next few minutes. We pray all of this in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen.
So we're looking at how we're to have complete loyalty to Jesus. And as we'll see over this passage, there is three areas we'll see. And the first one is this. It's the desire of our heart. It's the desire of our heart. So from the very beginning, from the very kind of couple verses we get, that Jesus gives us contrasting commands. He gives us two commands that are in total contrast that we are to obey. The first one is this in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. So that is the first one we see. Do not lay for yourselves treasures on earth. Do not prioritize earthly gain over anything else. We actually see the same phrase, the same kind of sentiment of not uh, storing up treasures on earth in passages, let's say like Matthew 19, 21, where Jesus is talking to a rich young ruler and he says, sell all of your things, give them to the poor and follow me. Or what Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10, where he says, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation into harmful desires that plunge people into destruction. It is through that desire that has led many people away from the faith and pierced many with many pangs. Or in 1 Timothy 6, 17-19, it says, Charge the rich in this present age to not set their hopes on the certainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so they may take hold of that which is truly life. Or lastly, in Hebrews 13, 5, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So Jesus is ultimately talking about the desire of our heart. What do we truly crave the most? What is our ultimate desire in this life above everything else? Where is our ultimate loyalty and allegiance to with everything that we do? All of these attitudes and commands that we have seen through Matthew 5 and Matthew 6, so all the beatitudes, blessed are the blank, for they shall blank. It's talking about what of our attitudes or these commands. You've heard it say before, you shall not blank, but I say to you, you shall blank. What he's talking about is ultimately it's the desire of our hearts because ultimately if we desire Jesus above everything else, then we'll be able to live out these attitudes. We'll be able to obey these commands. We'll be able to have that righteousness that is greater than the Pharisees that he talked about because we get that from Christ Christ has radically transformed and captivated our hearts. Now again, Jesus is not saying that let's say having wealth or having popularity or having possessions is bad. But it's bad when we devote ourselves to those things and desire even more accumulation of those things more than Christ himself. So he's not saying, let's say, having a lot of wealth or having a lot of possessions or just being popular in general is sinful. But it's when we desire those things and place those things above Christ, prioritize them above Christ, then they become an idol and sinful in his eyes. But here's also the thing. He says, don't lay up your treasures on earth because if we lay up our treasures on earth, they will ultimately die with earth as well. That's why it says in that same passage, do not lay yourselves up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So moth and rust and everything, eventually that can destroy and get decayed or thieves could come in and steal certain things. In fact, this, this echoes what we see in 1 John 2, 15 and 17, which says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world and the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with his desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. 
So here's what I want us to see is that earthly treasures are temporal, insecure, and never satisfy. Earthly treasures are temporal, insecure, and never satisfy. Because if we are building up treasures on earth, ultimately they will pass away with the earth. That if we are building up, let's say, our treasures on earth, ultimately they're insecure because as we saw, raw, uh, moth and rust could destroy it. We could have thieves come in and destroy that, but ultimately they'll never satisfy too. Think about it. Those people that go to the Black Friday thing to, let's say, get that new TV. A lot of them might be back there the next year to get a new TV. Or people, let's say, get a new iPhone. They might wait in that same long line next year to get an iPhone because there's always something more they feel like we can gain. It's never enough that we always need to strive for more. But also, we just don't know how it, we don't know how secure these things could be. We don't know how secure these things could be. In fact, just a, a funny story, even to describe this is, I cannot tell you how many times my debit card information has gotten stolen, like at least four times that I can think of off the top of my head. I'll never, like, I'll never forget this. Where one time it's just I went to let's say Noodles and Company one time within a span, and their security got breached, and anyone that had their secure their card information in there got stolen. Or another time when I went to Chipotle within a span of a few months and whoever went there, all their credit card information or debit card information got stolen. So much so that I remember the last time that it got stolen, I called my bank and said, hey, my card information got stolen. I need to start the whole process again of canceling my card and getting a new one. And she goes, oh yeah, I think I helped you last time. I said, yep, Taylor, it's me. I need your help again. We need to do this. but think about it, that's just for a debit card that, that it got stolen so many times that we don't know how things can be secure in this world. That it could decay, that, that eventually cars that we have will eventually decay and depreciate. That money we have, it'll rise and fall with different economies, things like that. There'll always be the next designer clothes that we can get. It'll always depreciate, it'll never satisfy. There'll always be something else that we can go after. But Jesus contrasts that with this. He says, now lay up your treasures in heaven. So look at what it says. In verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So we contrast building up treasures on earth with building up treasures in heaven. That we are to lay for ourselves treasures in heaven. We are to desire Christ more than the world. We are to live out what Paul says in Philippians 3, where it says, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Count them as rubbish, as trash. In some translations, it might even be dung. That everything in the world in comparison to Christ is nothing. That everything in comparison to Christ is meaningless in comparison. Let me ask you this. Can you say that this is the desire of your heart? Do you treasure Jesus more than anything the world could offer? Do you desire Christ more than money, more than popularity, more than that relationship, more than the newest iPhone, more than a state championship? Are you willing and okay with losing everything if it meant to gain more of Christ? Are you willing to do that? Are you okay with that? Because ultimately, if our hearts have been radically changed by Christ, and we say, Christ, you can have it all that you give and take away, but ultimately you remain the same every single day. Because here's the thing, nothing can destroy heavenly rewards. That's why, that's why it says where, uh, where moth and rust, where no thief can steal it, nothing else, because it is eternally secure in heaven. 
Now we are living for Christ. Not only do we conform more into His image, but we also get crowns in heaven that ultimately won't matter because we'll throw before Him anyway. Because Why? Because Christ has radically changed the desires of our heart. That He means more than anything. That we say Jesus is enough in the midst of everything. We live for Christ. We fully obey God and place Him first then we'll not only become more like Christ, we not only become more satisfied in Christ, but like I said, we also earn heavenly rewards that last forever. I I want you to imagine this, just this difference of earthly rewards and heavenly rewards and how much greater Christ is. Imagine one day when we stand before Christ, how much more impactful will it be between these two scenarios? When we stand before Christ and Christ says, what have you did for me? Well, look at all these followers that I accumulated. Look at all these, look at all these awesome, awesome, all this money that I accumulated. Look at all these state championships and rings that I earned. Look at all this money that, that I just saved up and that was it. Or how much greater could it be in comparison that, you know what, yes, I might have earned state championship in this process, but look at how many people I led to Christ while being on this team. Or you know, yes, I might have earned some money, but look at the people I pointed to Christ, that you placed me there at this job to point them to you. How, how much greater is that before it? We might not be able to take, let's say, earthly treasures with us, but we can point people to Christ and be eternally secure. That yes, we might do amazing things and might earn these crowns in heaven, but ultimately we'll cast them at his feet anyway, saying, Jesus, I don't want this. I just want you. You can take everything. I just want Christ. Is that the desire of our heart? Can we truly say, when we evaluate our lives, when we evaluate what we prioritize, can we say that Jesus is first and foremost in this way? That if we lose everything else underneath Christ, that it is okay? Because here's the thing. Heavenly treasures are eternal, secure, and always satisfy. Earthly treasures are eternal, secure, and always satisfy. In fact, there's this quote that that Pastor John Piper says where he says, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in Him. God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in Him. That we desire Christ above everything else. We realize that nothing else in this world can satisfy our hearts. That we have this creator-sized hole in our hearts, this God-shaped hole in our hearts that we keep trying to fill with earthly things that will never satisfy, that weren't meant to satisfy. That we'll try to place the weight of our entire souls onto these things, leaning more and more into creation, ultimately break under the weight of our souls. When we place our entire weight of our souls onto God and we lean more and more into Him, not only are we more satisfied, not only does He help shape us more into His image, but we see He is better than anything the world could offer anyway. Because here's what Jesus ends this. He says this in verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus ends this section with an evaluation of our hearts. He says, wherever your treasure is, wherever your desire the most, that is where your heart is. That is where your loyalty lies. So he says this, whatever we desire most is where we are placing our loyalty. Whatever the ultimate desire of a heart is shows the ultimate allegiance is. And that will show in how we think and how we talk and how we act, what we spend the most time on, what we spend the most energy on, what we accumulate the most of. So Jesus is telling us to evaluate the motivations of our heart, to evaluate the ultimate desire of our heart. If our ultimate desire of our heart is not Christ, then our loyalty is not ultimately being to Christ. And we must repent from that by His grace and turn back to Him. 
And even if we have not ultimately desired him and we have sinned against him, the beautiful thing on top of that, he is faithful to forgive us of those times too. He's not saying, how, how dare you desire these things over me? He's saying, welcome back home. Welcome back This is why we need the desires of our hearts changed because ultimately, like I said, in our sin nature, the ultimate desires of our heart is ultimately we want to glorify ourselves. We want to be loyal to ourselves. We want to accumulate stuff for ourselves. That's why we need the desires of our hearts changed. Ultimately, that can only change by the power of the gospel. We could try to fight these and everything in our own strength and it won't matter. We need a supernatural transformation of our hearts to ultimately desire Christ. And that is where the gospel comes in, that he changes our hearts so radically that when we repent and believe in him, the Holy Spirit is indwelled within us. And the Holy Spirit's ultimate job is to make Christ's name known, to glorify Christ, which means he will help us in this to conform us more into the image of Christ. Help us more to glorify him. And he will do that in our lives by transforming the ultimate desires of our hearts. The first one is the desire of our heart. The second one is this, the content of our heart, the content of our heart. So now Jesus goes into another example of of how we can evaluate our hearts. And he talks about the eye being the lamp to the body. So he says the eye is the lamp of the body. So in Jewish writings, the eye represented one's attitude, which also makes up the whole person. So whatever the attitude is of someone, that's going to make up the whole person themselves. So this is talking about whatever the content of one's heart is, is a result of what the ultimate desire of one is. It's the same deal with, let's say, Matthew 7, 17 through 20, where it talks about a healthy tree produces healthy fruit, while a bad tree produces bad fruit. And we will know people by their fruits. Or even in Proverbs 4, 23, it says, protect, keep your hearts with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. That Jesus gives us these two contrasts. Whatever we are rooting our lives in will make up the content of our heart. Whatever we are desiring most will ultimately fuel these desires of our heart and lead into action of these things. So he gives us two contrasts. The first one now is if our eye is healthy. So it says in verse 22, So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of life. So if our attitude is that of one of generosity, one that desires Christ more, then our entire body will be filled with light, filled with that light of Christ guiding us every step of the way. So we see this. The more our attitudes are set on Christ, the more we will become like Christ. So that's why it says in this passage, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. So that is a promise that the more we set our attitude to that on Christ, he will transform us and conform us more into the image of Christ. Whatever ultimate desires are that we pursue, ultimately that will be what transforms us. So the more we desire Christ, the more our heart's attitude will be that to reflect Christ and become more like him. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 16, 24 through 27, says, hey, whoever will lose your life will gain it. Whoever loses your life for the sake of Christ, whoever counts everything as lost for the sake of Christ, ultimately will gain it. But whoever tries to save their life for earthly gain here, ultimately, in the end, will lose it. Whatever the content of our heart is, ultimately, in the end, it becomes where we have placed our loyalty. So when our loyalty is to Christ, then then we don't care what comes and goes in our lives. Because ultimately, our heart's desire is Christ. Our whole body is full of light. Because we've had the light of Christ in us. We're able to see clearly. And because we're able to see clearly, we're able to walk clearly. We're able to evaluate everything through the lens of Christ. 
But the next it says, if your eye is bad, that's what he says next in verse 23. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if our eye is bad, then our whole entire body is full of darkness. And what it means by bad is unsound, evil, physically unsound or diseased, conceived of being morally evil. So if our attitude is that of stinginess, one that focuses more on ourselves, then ultimately our bodies will be full of dark. And that's what we see that if the more our attitudes are set on the world, the more we'll become like the world. That's what we saw in 1 John 2, 15 and 17, that if we love the world more than we love God, it's saying the love of God is not in us because all those things are passing away. Because the philosophy of this world is in total contrast to the philosophy of God. That if we're trying to save this life and cling to this life, then the end will end up losing our life. That the more our loyalty is to the world, then the more we'll be not care about, or the more we'll care about what we accumulate in our lives. We'll obsess over everything in our lives. We'll obsess over what the world obsesses over because that is what we're setting our loyalties on is the things of this world. So we set our loyalty on the things of this world that we're going to care about what the world says. Here's just a few things of, of how the world's philosophy is in total contrast to what God desires. But I also want us to see the beauty of his truth in comparison to this. And, and I guess in this case, in contrast to this. A lot of times you'll hear the word say, hey, just follow your heart. Follow your heart. Follow what makes your heart the most happy. Just, just follow those desires. But we filter that through Scripture, how it says in Jeremiah 17, 9, that our hearts are deceitfully wicked and desperately sick and hate God. So we follow, the, follow our heart and we follow the philosophy of this world, and we're following a heart that, that's indifferent towards God and want nothing to do with God. And then we're following our heart, which fuels the philosophy of this world, which want us nothing to do with God. Or you hear people say, just speak your truth. That's not my truth, but that's your truth that you can speak. But we see in John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Or one that I'll see that breaks my heart is that, that you have to be of this certain stature, or you have to look this particular way. You have to be of this physical physique and social status and everything else if you want to be accepted in the world. But, but God goes totally against that in Psalm 139, 13, and 14, where it says, God knitted you together in your mother's womb. Now, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's not about what the world says, it's about what God says. These are some of the philosophies that we see. But again, if we follow the philosophies of this world, then it says that our body will be filled with the world and be filled with darkness. And then he ends it on this. He ends it in verse 23 on this. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? So Jesus is giving us another evaluation of our hearts. So we had one at the end of verse 21 that where our treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we need to evaluate just what the desire of our heart is. Now we see this. We need to evaluate what the content of our heart is. If the eye is dark, then the whole body is full of darkness. And if the light within us is dark, then how great is that darkness? Our attitudes towards possessions will be that of stinginess. We don't want to lose anything. We're always pursuing the next best thing. We're always desiring the next great high. We're always desiring the next best relationship. We're always trying to do the latest trends, let's say, on TikTok or whatever the culture tells us to pursue. We're always trying to get more views and likes and shares. We're always in constant pursuit of these things. And how great is that darkness? And how much more do those things end? up making us feel empty how much has the world influenced us 
If our hearts are set on Christ, if our hearts are not set on Christ, then they are set on the world. And we see this, that the, eye, the health of our eyes affects the health of our life. Whatever we are taking in, whatever we're taking in ultimately will affect our lives. Whatever we're taking in, whatever content we're allowing to influence us, ultimately will influence every aspect of our life. How light or dark is that darkness or light in your body? That it might not, it might be difficult at times we have these things. It might be difficult to have our desires, let's say, changed. To go from, let's say, darkness to light. I'll never forget when I had um, eye surgery in my right eye and they had to remove a cataract and replace an artificial lens. They put a, uh, a pad over my eye that I had to wear for a few days. Let me tell you, it was, it was so dark and it annoyed me to no end and I could not wait for them to take it off. I remember as soon as they took it off, my eyes were so sensitive to light that it was quivering and it was, it was almost painful. I was like, I like put, put it back on. Like put the pad back on it. This hurts. But ultimately, as my eyes started adjusting over time, I could see, wow, I'm, I'm seeing so much more clearly than I ever could. That, that it, might not have been the most, it might not have been the most enjoyable at first, but ultimately, it's helped me see so much better that sometimes it can be painful. When we repent of things of this world and we turn away from things of this world and we step out of the darkness and into the light, there'll be times where we have to adjust and it could be painful. But what we ultimately see is this is so much better than anything the world could offer. So let me ask you this, what is your attitude towards possessions? Do you see them as a, like an end-all, be-all, or do you see them as tools that you can use to point people to Christ? Are you constantly obsessing over the latest trends, how you look, the circles you run with? Or are you more obsessed with how you are living for Christ and representing Him well? Here's the thing, if our hearts are full of darkness... Like we've seen, if we evaluate our hearts and say, wow, like my, my heart is full of darkness and I need Christ. We can see Ephesians 5, 13 through 14, where it says this. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. That if the light of Christ hasn't shined on your life, if Christ isn't the ultimate desire of your heart, if your ultimate attitude is that of wanting more of the world than wanting more of Christ, I beg you tonight to turn to Christ. To turn to Him. He is faithful to forgive you of all the times that we have desired the world more than Him. He will not only transform our hearts, but He will change our attitudes and conform us more into His image and ultimately the content of our hearts. It'll be so full of light that we can see clearly and walk clearly in this world. That if we're to be completely loyal to Christ, we have the desires of our heart, we have the content of our heart, and we have the last one is this. It is the devotion of our heart. The devotion of our heart. So Jesus ends it on, on this almost an emphatic note. So just in the very beginning, he says this. In the verse, uh, in the top of 24, no one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. There's a reason Jesus specifically says serve. There's a, there's a reason Jesus says serve because serve was normally tied to the work of a slave at this time. And slavery demands the total undivided attention of the slave to the master. And we see this, we see this used throughout scripture. We see Paul, when he writes, he's saying, Paul, the apostle Paul, a slave to the Lord Jesus Christ. That he was fully devoted to Jesus Christ. And so ultimately it says one of our masters is going to win out. Ultimately our loyalty will be placed with one over the other. 
And that is what Jesus is explaining the rest of this verse. That we cannot say we have one foot in one world and one foot in the other world. We cannot say we're trying to live for the world but also live for Christ because they're in total contrast. That we have to evaluate what is our hearts desiring most? Who are we ultimately living for? Here's what he says now. He says, no one can serve two masters and he explains why. So let's look at the rest of verse 24 where it says, for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. So Jesus explains the results when we try to split our loyalty. We will try to serve two masters. And he says, we will hate and despise one and we will love and be devoted to the other one. This is a promise that Jesus makes. This will happen. It's not saying where we can go, well, I can, I can, I can kind of dabble in these things in the world, but also, still, but also still live for Christ at the same time and dabble in those things. I can kind of go back and forth. Jesus is saying, eventually, you're going to end on, on one side or the other. That ultimately, your loyalty is going to be placed on one over the other. You're going to prioritize one over the other. He's saying this is impossible. He says you're going to be devoted to one. Devoted means this, to give oneself entirely to a specific person, activity, or cause. Or it says, we will despise the other, meaning to look down on with contempt. So we cannot serve two masters. And so he sets this dividing line. We are either slaves to Christ or slaves to the world. We are either followers of Christ or followers of the world. That we, we have to figure out where is our ultimate loyalty to. In fact, there's other, there's other passages that, that this goes even more in depth into. Where in Matthew 12, 30, Jesus says, Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Or Paul says in Romans 6, 16 this, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? Or in James 4, 4, he says, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Is that we are to, we are to evaluate everything in this world. We are to evaluate everything through this biblical lens of ultimately where does our allegiance lie? Because I'm not saying we live as monks where we just live away from everything. There's a reason God has placed us in these areas of our life. And ultimately, it's to represent Him at our schools and at our jobs and these things. And God has given us these things of creation to enjoy, but ultimately we want Christ to be the ultimate desire of our heart that we get to enjoy through His creation. Because here's the thing, Christ demands total obedience. Christ demands total obedience. We need Jesus to transform our hearts and for Him to become the ultimate desire of our hearts. Not only does Jesus transform our hearts, but He also gives us the grace to fully obey Him and follow Him. As we follow him, we see how amazing Christ is and the more we will desire to live for him and love him. That it's not like Jesus saves us and says, all right, see you in heaven, you're on your own. But Jesus is saying, I'm going to save you, I'm going to be with you every step of the way, and now I'm going to be with you every step of the way, but I'm also going to be at the finish line, waiting for you at the end, saying, well done, good and faithful servant. That it's by His grace that He saves us, He keeps us, He sustains us, and He helps us cross the finish line. That we're not in this alone. That Christ is with us every step of the way, and the more we follow Him, the more we'll see how beautiful and amazing He is. Because think about this, Jesus sacrificed everything. He was fully committed to reconciling us back to Him, back to God, which means when we repent and believe in Christ and say we're a follower of Him, we are saying we are crucified with Christ. We're saying we are fully committed to God, just as Christ was fully committed to reconcile us back to God. 
that, that there's, there's, no, there's no 50-50 commitment. There's no 50-50 loyalty. A way I'll describe it, let me, let, me, let me explain it this way. Imagine with my wife, Rebecca, imagine I told her, okay, Rebecca, here's what's going to happen. All right, we're going to get married. Yes, I'm standing before God, and, and we're going to become one. I'm going to fully commit myself to you, but I'll give you two days out of seven days. I'll give you two out of seven days of the week, and the rest of the week will be me. That, that, that's going to be my time. How well do you think that's going to go over with her? Or, or, or even more specifically than that, okay, actually, actually, even more than that, uh, as far as two days a week, you're actually only going to have like maybe a couple hours on those two days. So you're going to have like a few hours a week and that'll be it. The rest of the week will be for me. How well do you think that's going to go over? Or what if I say, hey, I'm like, I'm like 50% loyal to, to Rebecca. How, how would that sound, that I'm 50% loyal? Or what if I say I'm 75% loyal? What if I say I'm 90% loyal? What about 95%? That's an A, right? What about 99%? We can do 99.9%. That's like hand sanitizer, right? It's like what? You're going to say, but what about that 0.1%? Like, where is that going? Ultimately, where is that? Because when I stood before, when I stood before God and I stood before Rebecca and before a congregation, I said, I'm going to fully commit myself to you as your husband, that everything of mine is now yours, that we are becoming one, that I'm fully committing myself to you. It's not just going to be two days a week. But, but here's the sad reality is that there's so many of us that treat a relationship with God like that. All right, Jesus, I'm going to give you two days a week, but the rest of the week is mine. Actually, actually, in fact, I'm going to give you maybe a couple hours on Sunday morning and a couple hours on Wednesday night, maybe a couple hours on Sunday night, but the rest of the week is mine. How well do you think that's going to go over? Do you have the same type of attitude towards Christ? Do you only give Christ a couple days a week, but hoard the rest of the week? Or hoard the rest of your possessions for you? We are to be, as Jesus said in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, where they asked, Hey, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That we are to be fully committed to God in everything. That we are saying, Christ, I come to you. We're saying, I give you everything of my life. All of it is presented before you. That, that it is not, it is a blank check offered to Christ saying, cash as much as you want, right? However much you want, it is completely yours. This is actually the same language, this whole, you cannot serve two masters because you will hate the one and love the other. You'll despise the one and be devoted to the other. It's the same kind that Jesus says in Matthew 10, 37, where it says, we're to love Jesus more than our fathers and mothers. And if we don't, then we aren't worthy. Now, what Jesus is not saying is, he is not saying that we hate our mothers and fathers or siblings. But what he's saying is, where is your priority in that? Do you prioritize me over everything else? You're you're supposed to prioritize me above everything else. That your ultimate allegiance is supposed to belong to Christ. That yes, we can love the things of this world only through the lens of loving Christ and with Christ being at the center of everything. When we allow the things of this world to become higher than the things of Christ, then we are ultimately sinning. And when these two things become at odds with one another, we're either in the hearts or eventually it will be lived out. One of these things will eventually win out. And then Jesus closes it out on this. He says, you cannot, in verse 24, you cannot serve God and money. 
You cannot serve God and money. So again, he's ending on this emphatic statement. Now, it doesn't just mean money. Money can mean possessions or whatever else. You could fill in the blank with whatever you want. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and that boyfriend or girlfriend. You cannot serve God and social media. You cannot serve God and whatever you want to fill in the blank with. A way I'll describe it, imagine, let's say, you have one foot on one car and one foot on the other car, and you're heading for a fork in the road. You have, you have one foot on one car, one foot on the other. You're heading towards this. You're heading towards this. What's going to ultimately happen? You're either going to jump on one, or you're going to jump on the other, or it's going to tear you apart in the process. That if you have two things going in opposite directions, then you have to choose which one is ultimately going to win out. That we're either going to end up choosing one or choosing over the other. That we're going to choose either loving Christ and pursuing Him more, or we're going to choose the world and pursuing that more. Let me ask you, which direction are you heading in? As we've seen, we head towards the direction of earthly treasures. It will lead to our destruction. It will never satisfy. We head towards the directions of earthly treasures. It will lead ultimately to our own sanctification and being forever satisfied. Here's the thing. Where your loyalty lies, that is the direction you're heading towards. That is the direction you're heading towards. I want to end it on this kind of quote. So like I said, there's the Super Bowl this upcoming Sunday. In fact, there is a particular quarterback um, at the age of 43 that that is doing crazy things in the name of Tom Brady. But I want, I want to read you a quote from Tom Brady. This is back in like 2005, 2006. All right? So he's only 27 at this time. And just imagine all the accolades he's accumulated at that point. So here's what he says. He's doing an interview. Here's what he says. There's times where I'm not the person that I want to be. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me, I think, God, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27, and what else is there for me? And that's when the interviewer asked back, what's the answer? And Tom Brady asked, or says back, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. Is that how some of you feel right now? Do you feel like you keep pursuing all these different things in the world, all these different ways this world will say will make you happy, that will make you whole, will make you complete, but ultimately just makes you feel more empty and more just craving something better? Are you living, let's say, this double life where you try to live for Jesus on Sundays and Wednesdays, but then live for yourself and the world the rest of the week? Or maybe this, are you tired of living a double life? Are you tired of wearing a mask and you're just exhausted from everything? Here's, here, here, I cannot implore you enough. Come to Jesus. Run to him. Sprint to him. Let him be the ultimate desire of your heart. He is faithful to forgive. And he, is, he desires for us to have a relationship with him. He desires for us to be the greatest desire. He desires for us to be the greatest desire of his heart. And here's an encouragement for you with this. That if you're tired, if you're exhausted, if you're tired of running, if you're tired of living this double life, if you're just exhausted from everything, you're just exhausted from what the world throws at you, listen to this promise in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That he will give us rest. If we are willing to repent, to turn from our ways, to turn to him and just be yoked with him and ultimately follow him. So let me ask you this. Who has your loyalty? 
Who ultimately has your loyalty? Where does your loyalty ultimately lie? And to kind of evaluate that more, let me ask you this. What is the greatest desire of your heart? Do you desire more of the things of this world or desire more of Christ? What is the content of your heart? Are you filling yourselves more with things of Christ or the things of this world? And ultimately, what is your heart devoted to? Is it devoted to serving yourself or serving Christ? Because ultimately, if, if we are to have complete loyalty to Christ, and we do, we'll see that he is worth it, that he is better, that he is amazing, that he is incredible. He's better anything the world could offer, that Jesus is better. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we just come before you and we thank you. We just thank you just for your ultimate sacrifice on the cross, that even before... Even before you stepped down, you knew all of the sins we were going to commit for all of time. Even some of the sins that maybe we would commit today before we walked into this room today. And that you still came and died on the cross to say, I want that person in my family. And that when Satan tries to tempt us to despair, we can look up and see you. And how you claim that, 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 that we are yours. So Lord Jesus, we... We just are so sorry for the times that we have not been fully committed to you. We apologize for the times that we have, we have just gone astray or we've desired something more than you or we've prioritized something more than you. Lord Jesus, would you just open up our hearts and just transform us and, and just help us back to you. Would you just help our ultimate loyalty be to you? Would by your grace you just capture our hearts, that you will be the ultimate desire of our hearts, that you will just fill us with all of your goodness that we need. And would you just help our hearts be fully devoted to you, to serve you in every way that you've placed us, to make Christ's name known. Would you just help us as only you can. We thank you so much for all of this. We cannot thank you enough. We pray all of this in Jesus' holy, perfect name. Amen.